The Lord is in the house today. And, and so, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today. And, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives, the blessings that you've already uh, provided in our lives, the care that you've already taken in our lives. Father, the satisfaction that you've given each and every one of us today. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we also lift today before you those maybe concerns we have that, that we're turning to you today. Father, I know our kids started school, and, and Lord, we lift them to you now and continue to bless our children at the school. Father, continue to be with our teachers at the school. Father, we turn them over to you, Lord, because when we know that you, we do this, Lord, you will have compassion, that you will provide and give provision. And Father, you'll satisfy us all. And we give you glory for that today. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. Father, today we thank you for the monies, the tithes, the offering that's come in. And Father, the way you've blessed us. Supposedly during this difficult time, Lord, you've blessed us. And we thank you for that today. We love you today, Lord, and we praise you. Father, for other things that's been lifted across the room today, Father, we ask that you move upon them. And Father, we ask that every situation that's upon our hearts today, Father, we hand them to you and ask that, that again, that you have compassion on us, that you provide for us, and Lord, we know you'll satisfy. And we give you the glory for that. But Lord, as we sang today, we want you to move on us. And sometimes the best thing can happen is for us to get out of the way and allow you to move in us. And Lord, we ask that today that you touch our lives, that you draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I tell you, it's a pretty exciting day today. I want to welcome all of you that are here today. I want to welcome Oakton outside and Oakton online. And we appreciate you coming out today. There's a couple of exciting things I want to share with you before we get into the sermon today. But I'm really excited about maybe you being a host of Oakton Online. If you're watching us today and for whatever reasons you can't come to church on Sunday mornings, we ask that you be a host for Oakton Online each week at 10 o'clock. That you'd invite your friends out, your neighbors out to your home and just to be a part of who you are. Uh, if you're interested in that, uh, give me a call at 417-682-2042. Church body, I want to encourage you to share the service today because our goal is not to lift Oakton high, but to lift God high and allow other people to hear the message of Jesus Christ. That's what God has called us to do. And I'm very excited about these things. The other thing I'm excited about is we kicked off last Monday night and we gathered together and the trustees put before many of you uh, about how to pay off the building fund or pay off the building loan, excuse me. And again, on November the 8th, 220, is that's the day that we're going to shoot to pay this fund off or this uh, payoff off, this lease off, if you will. We want to make sure the number one thing that the trustees want to make sure of is that everybody knows what's going on. In years past, we've gone to every home, we've knocked on every door and just said, hey, be praying about this and ask God to, to tell you what you need to give. And, and, and that's worked great. 
But I got to thinking, you're all sitting here today, and I challenge you to ask the Lord what, how he would like for you to give to pay off the building. The other thing that's before us today, you'll see in your bulletin that another idea that they had is there's approximately 400 chairs in this sanctuary. Now, don't count because that changes every week. Uh, one week there's 400, next week there's 360. Depends on what we're doing. But we figured if we use these chairs as a kind of a sign to show us how the, the, it's going each week, that, that if we had 400 chairs and they're $1,000 a piece, when these 400 chairs are colored in, then we got what we need to accomplish what God's called us to do in this building payoff. An example of that is, is last week we brought in $7,000. You can show that slide now. Let's give the Lord praise for that. $7,000, and it was just a, to be honest with you, it was a fly-by-night thing. We weren't prepared last week to give, and we had 7000 plus, actually, almost 8000 But you can see that seven chairs are covered in. So our goal as a church is to see how that we can get these all colored in by November the 8th. Now, a lot of you today are probably thinking out there, and you're thinking, 400000 Wow. Man, we're in a pandemic. Has anybody told God that? Has anybody told us that? Well, slide number four, Jim come up and handed to me. You can tell by uh, the way it looks here. And this is just the in and outs of Oakton this year. And as you can see on this slide, uh, I colored in the pandemic time. Now, again, this is just the in and outs of accounts. And, and, and our lowest month was the, the March before the pandemic. I think we started live services here on the 22nd. So in April, May, June, July, and August, we've had higher monies going through the building in and out, or the, the, the different accounts in and out. So the pandemic hasn't slowed down what God wants to do in this body. I believe God wants to do great things during this pandemic. If God's called us to pay this building off, then we will do it. You see, God's plan is to, to show the world that he's number one. God's done this before and he'll do it again. We paid off this section here, the 1999 edition, in five years with 40% of the people in the body. That's a huge miracle that we accomplished in 1999 to 2000 and some. The 300000 that we needed for the Carthage facility in 2014, we raised $236,804.71 in less than a month. And I've been throwing numbers around, but I actually went and found the number. And that's the exact number that, we, that the Lord provided in three weeks to help us pay off the building at Oakton Carthage. Other things that's blessed me that of miracles that's happened in this body that, that towards year end, things sometimes don't look so good. And we may be behind on monies. I can remember one day getting a call on December 31st from one of you sitting in this body today and say, God has blessed me. And I want to give, I think it was $32,000 to whatever you want it to go to. And that was almost the exact amount that we were short that year. And you talk about this pastor doing some glory hallelujahs, that was a glory hallelujah. Another time we were short $27,000, and it was around December, you know, for the end of the years. And, and we had another family came in and gave almost the exact amount to see that we would meet the needs that God had put before us. 
So it's nothing new for God to bless this people. It's nothing new for the Lord to do what he wants to do in our lives. So we need to remember what Christ does in our lives, not only financially, but all the miracles that he does in our lives. As I was studying this, it, it went out on the news, and I can't remember what I was listening to, but it reminded me if we want to leave a legacy, because a lot of us, we're living to live a legacy. We're trying to live a legacy in our jobs or as a father or whatever, but I challenge you that if you live the legacy that God's called you to do, that people will remember for generation to generation. Look at Jesus. Man, look at the legacy Jesus left. Then I think about other people throughout the Bible that have left legacies. Paul, Martin Luther, even up to our time, Billy Graham, the, the people that he's affected. Why? Because he, God used him and showed him a legacy. What's your legacy as a, as a part of Oakton today? How has God called you to give of your time, your tithe, and your talent? You see, God wants to bless us in everything we do. Today, we're going to study about the feeding of the 5,000, and we're going to study about the feeding of the 4,000. And a lot of people don't understand that these were two different accounts. And while you're turning there, uh, I'm going to, it's in Matthew 14, 17 through 21. I'm going to give you a chance to get there. But while you're going there, this is another thing I think so neat about the Lord. I had Norma just to text me and ask me, do you have a, a sermon title today or for Sunday? And I text her back, uh, not really, but uh, put something in there like uh, half face or something like that. At the same time, Jim texts me and one of our prayer warriors that prays in the church every week said the Lord told him to tell me to look to God. And I thought, boy, that's a perfect sermon title there. We need to look to God. And I believe the Lord told this person that, and that's the title of the sermon today. So as we go through life, we need to look to me, meaning the Lord, in all that we do. And so Matthew chapter 14, verses 17, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Did you hear that? You give them something to eat. Christ called us to do the ministry. Christ called us to step out in faith. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Then verse 17, Jesus said, uh, or they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said to them, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, if you think about that, they're discounting the men. And if all of them were married and all of them just had one child, you know, back in the day, they all had lots of children. There's probably a minimum of 15,000 people that were fed that day with the five loaves and the two fish. Think about that. Is that not a miracle? 
Now, as I tell you to go over into uh, uh, Matthew chapter 15, I'm going to kind of talk to you about the background of these two miracles. So as you're turning over to Matthew 15, uh, I want to say about the, five, the feeding of the 5,000. Aside from the resurrection, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only recorded miracle in all four Gospels. That's a pretty big deal. Matthew and Mark are the only two recordings of the feeding of the 4,000. The feeding of the 5,000 took place in this part of the region of, of uh, Israel, close to the Sea of Galilee, and it was to the Jewish people. And that's what I want to get today. The, the, thing, the name is called Bethesda, or B-E-T-H-S-A-I-D-A, is where this was at. And it was for the Jewish people. And then the feeding of the 4,000 took place in another region around Decapolis, which was the Gentile people. And man, we ought to be shot in glory right now because we see in the scriptures that, that Jesus not only fed the 5,000 Jewish people, he fed the 4,000 Gentile people, which means that God wants to feed and minister to all people. God desires that all men and women, children, know him and come into a knowledge and understanding of him. God wants to provide miracles in the Jewish life, the Gentile life, in your life today. We just need to call upon him. And guys, that is shouting ground today. We need to get a hold of that. Other spiritual significance of the miracles. In the miracle of the 5,000, Jesus took five loaves and fed 5,000 which is remnants of five books of Jewish law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Again, supporting that Jewish thought. When everyone had finished eating, 12 baskets left over were collected, which probably alludes to the 12 tribes of Israel. Man, that's powerful. The feeding of the 4,000. In this second miracle, seven loaves are used and seven baskets are collected. The number seven is symbolic of completeness. Jesus wants not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. Again, Jesus came for both of us. The number seven also alludes to the seven days of creation when God created all humanity. So you with me now? God's created us all in his image. God loves us all. God wants to provide a miracle for us all. God has compassion for us all. God, again, provides for us all. And God satisfies those that give back to him. Those that have faith and stand up and say, God, I want you to touch my life. He satisfies. I just kind of said it, but my notes said both miracles show the provision of the Lord and his love for all people both Jew and Gentile. God wants to bless us in everything we do. Do you guys believe that today? Last week, this miracle, I think, was fulfilled. Uh, these miracles point to the cross, point to the relationship with Jesus Christ, point to all that God has for us, eternity, healing, health, all these things. Last week, we took communion together which represented everything that we're talking about today. We ate of the bread, the body of Christ. We drank of the blood, the juice that purifies us and makes us holy. That miracle has become truth. 1 Corinthians 10, 17 says, because there is one bread, we are many are one body, for we all partake 
of the one bread. So now as I read the miracle of the 4,000 in Matthew 15, 32 through 39, you saw all these comparisons, and again, we apply the word. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry. Christ is unwilling for you to be hungry. Did we ever get that? You know, we think that God wants to beat us up, put us down, knock us down. When God was unwilling, Jesus was unwilling for us to go hungry. If you're going hungry in the Lord today, it's because you choose to be hungry. You choose to starve. You choose to not have because Christ is unwilling for us to go hungry. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed such a great crowd? Again, we see that. I just can't get away from that. Jesus was unwilling to send them away least they faint away. And the Lord hit me when I was reading that, that we may think that, you know, we're waiting on eternity, but Christ hadn't left us now. Christ is with us now, and he's unwilling for us to starve in the desert, in the place in this world. He's unwilling to let us fall away, so we need to press into him with all we are. And his disciples said to him, Where are we to go to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so many in a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish and giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Maginot. The three points I want to share today, I've been all over already today. The three points that I believe Jesus shared that, that he has compassion for us today. Jesus has compassion for everybody over in this section Jesus has compassion for you in this section. Jesus has compassion for you over here. Jesus has compassion for you outside and online. He wants to, number two, provide for his people. Jesus wants to provide for all of us in this room. He's unwilling, unwilling for you to have troubles and trials that that will take you away from him. And I'm not saying you won't have in troubles and trials because you will, but he wants you to press into him because he's unwilling to let you fail. And the other thing is, and again, he satisfies his people. So on compassionate, Jesus is compassionate. We see this word used in in Matthew 15, Matthew 17, Mark 6, Mark 8. All the gospels show this, Jesus has compassion for you. I got to thinking about that in God's word. Where does it say Jesus has compassion? I just typed in, where in the Bible does it say Jesus has compassion? And it said, for the heavy laden, Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He has compassion on the, sea, the sinners, Hebrews two eleven says. He has compassion on the widow in Luke seven thirteen when he raised their son from the dead. 
He has compassion on people, Isaiah 40, 11 says. He has compassion on the afflicted, Isaiah 63, 9 says. He has compassion on the leper, Matthew 8, 3 says. The demon possessed, Matthew 8, 16. He healed the sick, Matthew 14. He fed the hungry, Matthew 15. He had compassion for the distress and the hopeless, Matthew 9, 36. He had compassion for the lost, Matthew 8, 11. He had compassion for the blind man, Matthew 20. He had compassion for Jerusalem, we see in Matthew 23, and we can go on and on and on and on and on. Jesus has compassion for you. He loves you so much, he died on the cross for you. He has compassion for you. Two, Jesus wants to provide for you. He wants to give you the things that you need to survive. Seven promises in the New Testament. And again, I could have told you 15 promises, probably 200 promises in the New Testament. But we're going to go through a few that you know. Promise one, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Seeking God and his kingdom will open doors to all the needs that you have in this world. Financial, relationship, even the smallest detail, Jesus will open the door. Me and Jim were talking the other day about this very thing, and we even were talking that if we just applied the principle of God in our life, the unbeliever would apply the principles of God in their life, it would change their life, not even being a believer. Because God's principles work. Now, it won't get them into heaven. I can remember at Freeman when we started, they made a book outline on leadership and they sent me to leadership school. And I'm sitting there reading this book and I'm thinking this is straight from the scripture. And the instructor at that time said that it's based off the scripture because it works. God's, God's word God's ways work. They just work. So when we seek God and his righteousness, everything else is going to be taken care of. Promise number two, but as many as received him, to them gave he power. Do you get that? Power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, John 1, 12. You have been given power. Jesus is so compassionate that he has provided you power to overcome. We need to write these scriptures down and put them in front of us all the time. Another promise, number three, and we know that for those who love God and all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. If you claim to be a believer today and things aren't going well and, and you keep trusting God, God will work for the good of those who love him. Romans eight twenty eight. God reminds us here, through the Apostle Paul, that God is rock solid. If God said something, it's going to come to pass. We need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and believe in him and his word. God's not a man. His promises are guaranteed. Do you believe that today? Amen. Another promise, a lot of you quote this all the time. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. When we rely on our strength, we will fall short. If we rely on God, he will give us the strength and power to overcome this world. His word is a promise to us that we can do all things through him. Another one that we use a lot around here, 
Promise number six, for God has, not, has given, or for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, 2 Timothy 1, 7. This promise here reminds us that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-control. When we feel fear coming over us, we claim the promises over our life, and his word is sharper than any double-edged sword when we read it. It changes our life. Promise number seven is let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Hebrews 4, 6. When we need mercy and grace, his word promises that if we draw near to the throne of God, we'll receive and find it there. Prayer is our connection to God and he's ready to listen. Are we getting these promises today? There's many, many more promises in God's word. And that's why it's so important to read the word. The last thing here is Jesus satisfies his people. The 5,000 all ate and were satisfied. We read that in Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 19, uh, John 6, 11 through 12 says, they ate as much as they wanted. And then when they had eaten, they were full. And then in Luke, and they all ate and were satisfied. So all four Gospels, again, outside the resurrection, this miracle is talked about in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And every one of them talk about how Jesus satisfies us. When we go to him, he has compassion on us, he provides for us, and he will satisfy us. Even in the 4,000, all ate and were satisfied in Mark 6 and Mark 8. Everyone who trusts in Jesus across this house online outside if you trust in jesus you too will be satisfied and guys i I don't want to be negative but, but negative but the reason we're not satisfied a lot is simply as life goes on we forget our foundation we forget who we are in jesus christ and we began to place other things before the lord and when we turn around things are out of order and we're not satisfied. And so that's why it's always neat that we're looking at our life and, and checking our life and examining our life to make sure that we're centered in on Christ, meaning that God is number one, that Jesus is number one, that move of the Holy Spirit in your life is number one. That's most important to you. And then your wife and your children, and, and then I believe your church, and then everything else after that. Because again, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything's going to come in order. Now, the, the next point I want to say is, and I think it's the key, we can say all these things and, and, and yell and scream and shout and celebrate on all that I just said. God has compassion. Woohoo! God provides. Woohoo! God satisfies. Woohoo! But not if you don't have faith. And faith is simply just going to God with your problem. I meant to go into town today and get five loads of bread, and I forgot. But we, you know, Jesus told them, you bring the bread. You bring the situation. You bring the fish to me so that I can bless it, and so I can provide and have compassion and satisfy you. And and we need to bring the bread to him. And I was going to bring a loaf of bread that I need a healing. We need to bring that faith to him, Lord, I need a healing. I I need you to touch me, Lord, and he will bless that. He will provide for you, 
and he will satisfy you. We need to bring the bread of, you know, my, my family's not where I want them to be in the Lord. We need to present that to the Lord by faith. Lord, touch my family, touch my wife, touch my children. Take this, Lord, take this heaviness from me. And the Lord will take that. He will bless it. He will have compassion on you. He will provide for you and he will satisfy you. That's why I get so ticked off this world when they say, God did this to me. Man, when I heard that person the other day said that, that God gave me the gift to suffer, oh my goodness. When we're suffering, we need to take that bread to Christ and say, I'm suffering, Lord. And the Lord will take that and have compassion on us. And he will provide and he will satisfy us. Bam and I hear all the time, Lord, uh, if you want to heal me today, Lord, or, or if you want to bless me financially, Lord, or if you want to, man, the word says that Christ came that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. We need to take it to the Lord and, and he already provided and he already wants to touch our life. He already wants to move on our life and we need to take it to him and present it to him and say, Lord, here it is so that he can touch our life. And he will, he'll grab it and he'll bless it and he'll have compassion on us. He'll provide and he will satisfy. We see that through this scripture here. I already said it earlier, bring me the bread. The other one scripture passage says, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place? In other words, Christ again told him to get the bread. Another version, of, or not another, not a version, but another book he said, we have only five loaves. They took it to him. They took it to him. Do you ever think about that? Uh, John, in John's uh, gospel in 6-9 of John and feeding the 5,000, it was a little boy who had the five barley loaves and two fish. And they said, but there are so many. They went out and they found the bread and they found the fish from a little boy. John, again, chapter uh, 6 there, verses 9, they found it from the little boy. And I think to myself that day, did that little boy know that, that he went to the Lord with the fish and the bread that provided for 15,000 people? Oh, God, I don't have it. God, I, I don't know. I, I can't heal my wife. I can't, I can't change my job situation. I can't do this. No, but you can hand it to the Lord. Just give him what little you have, the faith you have, and he's going to bless you. That little boy, boy with the five fish, or the five breads and the two fish, blessed everybody. You take your faith. You take that faith. God has given us all a portion of faith. Romans chapter 12 tells us. And we take that faith and we give it to the Lord. We see that Jesus, even at salvation, wants us to take that bread and that faith and the lay it at his feet so he that can bless us, so that he can provide for us forgiveness and eternal life, healing and all the things that we need, and so that he can satisfy. You see, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe faith, that's your faith, you're putting it out there, God, I want to be saved, that's your faith. In your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It's the same thing with anything else, God, guys, that you take the healing before the Lord. By faith, you take what you can and say, Father, you confess, I want you to heal me. I believe that by your stripes I am healed. That's what he's asking for. When you're struggling with any situation in your life, you take it before the Lord and you lay the bread out. You confess, Lord, I need your help in this situation. Father, I need you to touch my life. And Christ will take it up because you put it out by faith. And you allowed him to touch your life. This example may seem piddly to a lot of you, but the Lord told Karen and I to give $100 overseas to a missionary and, and normally that's nothing i mean for us to give a hundred dollars and 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 anyway but but the day that the lord put that on my heart we had another fifteen hundred dollars to give in taxes that we had to come up with that we were kind of unexpected and we had another uh a deal about six hundred dollars is unexpected so we're looking at around twenty two thousand dollars anyway of bills that we needed paid within the week or so and, and I wanted to give a hundred. The Lord said, give a hundred to this guy overseas. And by faith, we obeyed the Lord and we gave it to this man. And what was so neat is Karen started a job and only been there two weeks. And she comes home and said, honey, uh, they just gave us a bonus. She goes, I got $600. And, and man, I was like, no way. God is so good. And then another two or three days later, I had another $300 come in from unexpected things that just came in, 200 there, 100 there. And the Lord gave back ninefold so far. The Lord said, be obedient with 100. He's already given back 900 in a short period of time. And again, that works out with anything. We got to lay it before the Lord and just be obedient to him. And allow him to change our life in whatever way it may be. This building payoff may sound like a huge thing to us. But by faith, when we lay all that we can before the Lord, he will bless us back. The key is to being obedient before the Lord. By faith, whatever it is you're going through, your marriage struggling, finances, or you just simply want more of God. You know, that's where I'm at now. God, I want more of you. And and I'll be honest with you. I'm like, God, you need to pick it up a little bit. Father, I want all of you. And by faith, we lay that before him and he will bless it and have compassion on it, provide and he will satisfy. Whatever it is, we need to lay it at his feet. So a lot of you, how do we, you know, pastor, how do I, you know, how do I increase my faith or how do I get this faith? Again, I've already said Romans 12, 3, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned you. Y'all have been assigned a, a measure of faith and it's enough to do all that God wants you to do. Uh, you've got it already. You're a believer. You've been given the faith already. Romans 12, 3. But Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So we need to read and, and do the word of God. And if you can find it in the scripture and you can see it in the scripture and God tells you to give it and, and pray for it, then he's going to move on it. Then we see in Matthew six thirty three again, but put God first. Do what he wants, obey him. Then all these things will be given to you. So we must obey God and put him first. The other thing I think is so neat is we need to share our faith. 
Uh, guys, I, I, I woke up today and was looking for that, uh, um, that payoff number I was giving you. And I thought, that's in 2014. I thought, sift on my, my computer, typed it in, there it was. And I began to read that sermon on what God had done in our lives then. Man, my faith welled up. Oh, miracles after miracles. Man, I got so excited just from sharing the faith. Sharing your faith will bring excitement. The other night when we were at the deal in Lamar, the Minister Alliance, when, when Maranatha and when Joe shared their faith, man, I was pumped. I was like, be honest with you, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I was back here doing this to Joe. Man, and I was back here doing this to, to Maranatha. Like, preach it, man, bring it. This is so awesome. You know what Joe thought? Joe thought I was telling him that he's talking too much. <laughs> so Joe's up there, he's rushing, and I'm sitting there doing this. And I was like, no, I wasn't cutting you off. I was encouraging you. But he thought I was telling him it was taking too long. So, But anyway, we need to share our faith. The other thing that blessed me about the meeting the other night, we had several people come out, and I had, to be honest with you, two or three come up to me and say, Pastor, before that meeting, I didn't think that we could meet this, this vision that you had that God gave the trustees. But he goes, after the meeting, I believe we can do it. Sharing your faith, getting excited and seeing what God is doing in your life. And that moves me into remembering the miracles that Jesus does in your life. Jesus, in talking about the, to the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, they'd already forgot the feeding of the 5,000. They already forgot the feeding of the 4,000. And he says to them, don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousands and how many baskets you gathered afterwards? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? See, Jesus was even getting after the disciples. You know, you just experienced all these miracles. And then we got, in 15 was a miracle. And in chapter 16, Jesus is already getting after the disciples. Don't you remember? We need to remember what God is doing in our life. And I challenge you to write it down. Tuesday night, I was so blessed by the young adults, man. They were sharing what God was doing in their lives. And, and man, I was getting pumped, man. We, I think we started at 6.30 and got it nine, done at 9.30 with these young adults. But most of it was the prayer time and just talking about the Lord and remembering him and experiencing him. And I said, guys, we need to write these down and remember these things because God is faithful. And then the next thing, we need to pray because a lot of you are like me when the man said in Mark 9, 24, when Jesus wanted to heal his son, he said, man, Father, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. And that needs to be our prayer every day, Lord. Help me to overcome my unbelief and believe in you. We need to remember that when we go to Christ, what do you need to go to Christ for today? You know, we say these altars are opened every week and, and the bread is and the faith, your faith is laying it at the Lord's feet. But every week we say these altars are open for salvation. When you say, Jesus, I want to be saved, that's the key. We got to lay it before him that he's going to bless you by having compassion on you. He's going to provide for you. You remember in the scripture, Jesus was unwilling for you to leave here hungry or empty. 
Jesus is unwilling for you to leave here today if you have a need because he wants to have compassion on you. He wants to provide for you, his people. He wants you to leave here satisfied. And that's why we have this altar time. But so many times we don't have, we got that faith, but, but we don't want to step out and come lay it at the altars. Some of you today may want to get saved, but, but you're too scared to come up and have me pray for you. Or some of you maybe want to be water baptized, but, you know, guys, that's truth of it all. I, I could name probably 27, 28 people that have been saved, but I don't think they've been water baptized. We need, that's the first step of obedience is being baptized. By faith, we lay it before the Lord, and I promise you that when you're water baptized, man, God's compassion is going to come all over you. He's going to move through you and provide you everything you need, and he's going to satisfy you. Man, we see it every time that people come up out of the water, their faces show it. But we got to have the faith and lay it before him. So again, today I say to you, what do you need to lay before him today? You know, you need to be maybe filled with the Holy Spirit or refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Wednesday night, Kenneth was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in youth group. That was awesome. That was neat to see God move upon his life. But he had to step out by faith so that God could bless them and move in the situation. What do you need to look to God for? What's before you that by faith you need to say, Lord, here it is. I lay it before you so that he can move on your situation. As a church... How does God want us to give to this building fund? Because, guys, it's going to take a miracle. But I believe God is providing that miracle as he speaks to each and every one of us. And you don't do it for me. You do it for him. What is he calling you to give? And, and I want you to pray about these things today. I want you to pray, Lord, how do you want to use me in the body of Oakton Father, how do you want to use my time, my tithing, and talent throughout my life? But Father, here I am. Take me, speak to me. I want to challenge you to write down. You can take your phone, or left mine sitting over there, and just text somebody or, or make a note. Father, I'm looking to you in this. God, I look to you in this. Write it on a piece of paper. And I want you to, to write this. I was wondering where I got that idea. That's what we did at Bible study the other night. They did that. And I wrote down three things at Bible study the other night that I, wanted, that I was having anxiety about. And that's how it was presented there. And then we're going to revisit them in eight weeks or so to see how God moved on them when we laid them in his life. So I challenge you today to write down three things that you want God or more, that you want God to move in your life and come up here and lay them at his feet. Amen? Let's stand to our feet today. And Father, we hear your word today. Father, you do want to bless us. You have compassion on us. Father, you want to just provide for us. And Lord, you want to satisfy us. Father, help us to step out in our faith and lay things, things at your feet and trust your ways. You know, a lot of times the Lord just speaking to me right now. You don't trust God's ways. You don't trust the word of God. It's not effective anymore. 
And you need to repent of that if that's you today. But Father, we do trust your word and we will follow your word in Jesus' name. Amen. These altars are open. If you need specific prayer, you can come to me and I'll be glad to pray with you. But let's give our hearts completely to God today. Thank you, Lord.